Welcome to Fathering Excellence, where fathers of accomplished people share their parenting insights. This episode, I am excited to be talking with Dennis Erickson, father of actress Darcy Carden, best known for her Emmy-nominated role as Janet on the smash hit television series The Good Place. In addition to The Good Place, Darcy has appeared in many other TV shows and movies, including Bonding, Broad City, Other People, and the HBO series Barry. She'll also be co-starring in the upcoming comedy series A League of Their Own, based on the 1992 classic film of the same name. Keep an eye out for it on Amazon. Darcy and her three siblings, Lainey, Will, and Miranda, are fortunate to have Dennis as their father. Dennis is an incredible guy. He was the founder of several magazines, including the Bay Area Music Magazine, and he is a dedicated family man and father. In this episode, Dennis and I cover a lot of ground, including how to instill confidence in your children, how to talk to your kids when they fall short of reaching their goals, considerations for raising children who are interested in acting, and the importance of stretching the spaghetti. Before we get started, if you hear anything in this episode or others that you found helpful, we would greatly appreciate it if you could take even 60 seconds to provide a rating and a review. It's easy to do on the Apple Podcast app. I'm Jonathan V, and this is the Fathering Excellence Podcast. So Dennis, thank you very much for finding time to speak with me today. I am really excited to have this opportunity to talk with you. Briefly, I'm wondering uh, what it's been like for you seeing Darcy. She's had many appearances in shows and film, but The Good Place was this mega hit. What was that like for you as a father to see your daughter in this show? Well, as a father, and actually part of the entire Erican family, we are all so proud of each other. Every one of us in our family, the kids, everybody, you know, have done wonderful things. So, yes, it's wonderful to see Darcy on those shows. The, The Good Place is an absolute delight. But, you know, it's just part of life. It's just a wonderful part of life. You are four kids, if I understand correct, Lainey, Darcy, Bill, and Miranda. Is that right? That's the four. So what, what was the household like when the kids were young? Uh, where were you? I believe in the Bay Area. Is that right? Yeah, we were in the Bay Area. We've always been in the Bay Area, at least my wife and I. And, and, uh, and when we were a family, we were in the Bay Area. And it was, you know, just a, 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 for me, a delightful experience. There was always something to do. There was always, you know, something to get involved in with the kids, whether it's homework or whether it's, you know, something outside of school or, uh, you know, questions that they'd have. And uh, it was just it was just a fascinating, wonderful experience. Yeah. What kind of uh, parenting philosophies did you have? Did you have particular parenting philosophies or just a, a general approach that you took to fatherhood? Well, to me, the parents are the mother and the father, and we each have a role. And, and you know, I, I would remember how my dad was with me, which was, uh, you know, he kind of looked into the future. He was very friendly, but at the same time, he, you know, was very clear about uh, the fact that he, you know, wanted his sons and daughter to, uh, you know, to do things the right way. And that was an important part of it, was doing things the right way. So I tried in my, you know, experience as a father to be the same kind of dad, which was somebody who was at the same time, not only looking at them right now, 
but looking at them in the future and making sure that they get there because that's really one of the most important things is, is you know the, the the transition from kid to grown up and you know through the teenage years etc so uh, all those things are really important to me and um, and again being a role model as a good guy to me was also really important so you you mentioned that uh, it was important for your father and for you to raise your kids doing things the right way what what does that mean to you that means making sure that they understand that you don't cheat, you don't lie, you don't uh, fake it. You do things and you do them right. And you make sure that you have you know a clear plan as to what you're trying to do. And the important thing is integrity. Inside of them is the real person and the real person is there to be seen. And is there a way that you instill that in them or, or how do you teach them how did you teach your kids integrity the, the most important thing is by example you know with a parent you can you can yell at them if you want to you can jump up and down but the fact of the matter is it's the example it's teaching them through them seeing how you do things and uh, part of it is how you do things with them and what kind of things did you do with your kids well, everything from, you know, talk to them, you know, from five years old and up when they talked about school, giving them ideas for, um, you know, things to do during the weekend, you know, w- what were they intending to do with this particular situation that they were in and what was the point of it, you know, that sort of thing, just kind of now and into the future with a clear idea of the past, put all those three things together. Would you all do family activities and things like that together? All the time, all the time, including going to church, being part of, uh, you know, their sports in terms of being there for them, art, music. Those are really important things. And and to us as a family, those were important. So I wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable with art, with music, with expressing themselves. Uh Uh-huh. So how did you get them involved with art and music? by encouraging them and then not forcing them because again that's to me that's the important thing is encouraging but not forcing and the the lovely thing was that each of them had some interest in that individually so you know it was there so i've blown it on more than one occasion with that that balance of encouraging not pushing well how did you blow it i I erred too much on the push side any advice just the only advice I can give is pushing doesn't get the job done. Pushing gets the one thing done, but it doesn't get the big thing done. Offering is where you are, where you offer your help, where you offer your advice, but you don't push it. And that lets them grow because, again, the most important thing, at least in my wife and my mind with our kids, was that they grew, that they grew up, they grew out and, and into the world. And so the point was not to force them to do anything, but to to just show them where they could go if they wanted to. Did you purposefully expose your kids to a variety of different things to help them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was part of our lives also. You know, we were putting out music magazines and we were putting on a big music event each year. So they got to see and experience some pretty fabulous things. But at the same time, not forced. If they didn't want to go, they didn't have to, but they tended to want to. Mm. Talk about that a little bit for the people that are not aware of your your background. So you were were the founder of 
uh, BAM magazine. I'm the founder of, of BAM magazine, which uh, was the, uh, the, by the way, the first free magazine. I invented the concept because I didn't have any money to start a magazine. So I thought if I gave it away for free, that uh, it would cost less than it did. Changed the publishing industry. Yeah, changed the publishing industry. Exactly. But the important thing was that I wanted to make sure that it was about local musicians because there was already in the San Francisco Bay Area something that had started years earlier called Rolling Stone, which was talking about the biggest musicians in the world. And I wanted to emphasize the great musicians all around us. Some of them became huge. Some of them just were there, but they were wonderful. And that was the important thing with BAM. You know, I was very aware, of course, as we all are, you know, the the Oscars and the Grammys, et cetera. And I thought it would be really wonderful to give awards away to the local musicians in the Bay Area who are just trying really hard. So I went to uh, my mentor, Bill Graham, the concert promoter, asked him if he would help me. And one of the questions I asked him was, you know, what do you think about putting on a Bay Area Music Awards? And his answer was two things. One is, I hate award shows and I'll never come. Well, he came to everyone while he was alive. But, <laughs> but still, he said, I hate award shows and I'll never come. But number two, this is really a good idea. And you can't afford to put on the first show. So I'm going to put the first show on for you. I'll pay for it. You put it on. And then if it may, if it's a success, you pay me back. If it's not a success, we don't do it again. Well, we did it for 23 years. Wow. That's terrific. It was fantastic. And so the kids got to, you know, they got to come to the Bammies, the Bay Area Music Awards, and got to sit in the audience and got to meet, you know, all these fabulous, famous musicians and ask them questions and hang out with them and hang out with, uh, you know, in in the nicest way possible, by the way, you know, because it was just a really friendly, normal event and everyone was treated well. But there were 2,000 people in the audience. Wow. And you yourself are a musician as well, as I understand, a uh, member of the legendary band Green Catherine. Oh, bless your heart. Yes, I was the bass player. Uh, my brother was the lead guitarist, and we played for many years and played, you know, throughout California and the East Coast, New York, etc. Just had a fantastic time. It was a wonderful experience. After a while, when I turned 23, I realized, you know what, I got to get a real job. And that's when uh, I started working that eventually led to band. So your wife is helping with BAM as well, or? Yeah, Lori was, you know, integral part of BAM. She was copy editor and uh, worked with uh, all the all the writers, came up with ideas for stories. It was a wonderful experience to be there with my wife, putting this magazine together every two weeks and putting it out there. Oh, it sounds it. So I would imagine leading a magazine, especially one like BAM that's growing, is got to be a big job. And then producing the BAMIs has got to also be a big job with a lot of planning far in advance. Yes. How, how did you balance that with also being a father? Okay, that's, that's really one of the, the fascinating things that to me, I didn't realize until a few years later what I was actually doing, which was, to me... The most important thing in my life was my family, which really made some of the people working for me at BAM, uh, you know, a little nervous because they, they would think, wait a second, you know, he goes home at a normal time because his kids need him at home. And, you know, what's, what, how's that possible? And what I realized was that I had to make the people who work for me part of my family. So I had the vision, but they did the job and they did they did what it took to get it done. And that was an incredible experience. And that meant that I got to go home every day at 6 30, 7 o'clock and be with my kids, weekends with my kids, except when we were putting on some, you know, major event 
But even then, I would take my kids with me to the event, and we would mm-hmm. put it on, and there'd be these, you know, fabulous musicians on a stage. My kids would be running around with me, uh, making things happen, and my staff would be there. And so that was that was my life. How about uh, marriage? So is that something that you had to work at to find time to invest time in? Is that something that because of the working relationship that you had, you always had time for each other? Yes, yes. That was a really important thing was Lori and I would have lunch together no matter what. We were there together, getting the stuff done, but being there for each other. So your your children appear to have, from what I can tell from an outside view, they appear to have very strong relationships with each other as well. Is is that something that you somehow cultivated? Do you, uh, How do you explain that? And, and how do we do that for our own kids? The most important thing is that they're they're good people. And so they, they, they gravitated toward each other. But I tried to make sure that they each felt very comfortable with each other. Because one of the toughest things, and I knew this, about being a parent is that you don't want your eldest kid to think that they're the, they're the king or queen and everybody else is beneath them. Or that you know, the second one down tends to be the one that everybody forgets about. So I tried to make sure that not only was I giving spe- you know, the significant specific time to each kid, but also making sure that they they did things together. Like one of the things my wife was reminding me was that uh, w- with our son Will, you know, he wanted to he wanted to go see music just like his uh, his older siblings had done. But some of the music that he liked was not my favorite kinds of bands. But the wonderful thing was they wanted me there. The bands wanted me there. So I would take Will and you know he let him walk up to the front of the stage so he could watch the band and I'd sit in the back and just kind of be there. Uh, But at least, you know, we were there together and that was the important thing. That's nice. And I didn't criticize his music ever. And you know what? That's something that I, I'm so glad that I stuck to, which was that I didn't criticize anything that those kids were doing uh, just, just to show them that I was the boss or that my taste was better than them. No, I was encouraging and I wanted them to know that I appreciated their good ideas and wanted them to, to you know, to act in, in that manner. That's a, uh, that's a really important lesson. I think it's, uh, it's can be easy for a father, just as a guy, to maybe take, for lack of a better word, a, a cheap shot. Uh, criticism. You know, we do that with our friends at work sometimes, just joking around. But I think to a child, it can be interpreted very differently. And and you know what? That's a that's a wonderful way to say it. When you're at work and you're you're doing something like that, it can be experienced as a joke, and that's okay. But with kids, they take it personally. So you don't yeah. want to criticize them or say something that disparages them when they can just live with it for the rest of their lives. So instead, I I was always as positive as possible. Now. And that doesn't mean being positive about some horrible thing they did, but luckily enough, my kids didn't do anything that was horrible. But I, you know, I, I would, of course, have stopped that. Did you have any specific bigger challenges as a father? Are there difficult times that you were helping your kids navigate through or just as a father for yourself, it was, it was a challenge for you? You know, the, 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 the toughest thing for any parent is when your kid becomes a teenager. <laughs> and and so that was for me the toughest time but i you know hung in there i put my uh, my you know arms together and just uh, didn't uh, didn't react and just uh you know help them through it i don't have girls i would imagine that that may 
be even more challenging. It is more challenging for a dad. You're right. And, and social media makes it even more bizarre. There were things like social media back then, and we just made sure that the kids knew that whatever you put out there, and there were chat rooms back then. Oh, and, wow. uh, and you know, we were kind of in a slightly miserable experience, or not experience, but slightly miserable about the, the concept. But we made sure that they knew that if they said something stupid, it was going to be there forever. That's great advice. Darcy has spoken very, very highly of the confidence that you've instilled in not just herself, but in all four of your children. Can you explain how you may have gone about doing that? Well, the most important thing about instilling confidence in your children is to be positive, but not overly positive. In other words, not fake. So to be positive, but also not to take, you know, pot shots at kids for for something that you think you know, they'll remember because you're hitting them hard. No, confidence is being truthful, but at the same time, positive. And that was something that with all four of my kids was really important to me, was to be as positive and clear about my positivity as possible. And that meant that, you know, when they were doing something right, tell them they're doing it right. When they get it done, congratulate them on getting it done. And how about when they when they fall short, when they have some sort of failure academically or athletically or acting any sort of pursuit when your child feels particularly down because it was a it was a kind of a big deal to them at least in that point in time right well that happens to everybody and and what you can't do is spend too much time on it you know make sure that they get to talk about it let them know that it's not going to be forever that this is going to go away and that you've got another opportunity right there in front of you you're telling your kid, whatever, you know, you've got the next possibility is right there. So don't, don't be afraid to do it because it's right there for you. And I do that with, with, you know, I used to do that with my employees also was, you know, if you made a mistake, that's okay. Or if you said something about a band that, 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 that they eventually say, no, that didn't happen. That's okay. If you just apologize and then go on, don't sit there and, and either, react to it or feel bad about it. Just go on. I believe wholeheartedly in that. How would you explain why that's important? We each have our lives to live. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to sit there and stew. You want to grow. You want to achieve. You want to get things done. And so those are the important things. And that's what you want to, you know, get your your kids thinking too is grow, achieve, get things done onward, upward. So you you mentioned teenage years were difficult. Did you have any dating rules? Dating rules were just pretty much, you know, don't do anything that's going to get you in trouble. We kept it to that. It wasn't, you know, real specific, do this, do that in the first date, et cetera. It was, it was just don't do anything that's going to, you know, that's going to embarrass you or, or get you in trouble. Just be a good person and make sure that the person you're with is a good person. Because if they aren't, stop seeing them. Yeah. We always wanted to make sure that, that they knew that we were welcoming to all their friends, that we would, we would invite them to dinner. We'd always stretch the spaghetti, as Larry would say. <laughs> and, uh, but we were always, you know, we wanted to be as, as friendly uh, and nurturing as possible and just let them come by. But, if, but of course, keep an eye on them and keep a very clear eye on them. Yeah, yeah. Did that result in in your house being a bit of a destination as well for kids to come to? You know, I think our house was a destination in a way because um, we we had you know even you know 
decades later, we would hear we'll hear stories about how you know coming to dinner a few times with us uh, really gave them an idea of you know what they were going to do with their lives, et cetera. And it's just it's just a wonderful thing to hear. That's nice. That's nice. And I would imagine that it's just that much more relaxing, I guess, for lack of a better word, to know that, well, to to have your kids and their friends at your house. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's better to have the kids at our house yeah, because, sure. because then we can watch them. <laughs> yes. yes. So. And, and again, be, be, you know, supportive, but definitely watch them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big advantage to stretching the spaghetti. I like that. Exactly right. <laughs> Thank you for that. The big advantage of stretching the spaghetti is exactly right. Were there any money lessons that you gave to your kids as they were growing up? Did you talk to them about money? Yeah, we talked about money. We we um, we definitely tried to make sure that they understood reality, that the right thing to do with money, not to be a spendthrift, et cetera. And, they, and we made sure that they made their own money. That we, you know, we were encouraging them to get some kind of job early on, just so that they could experience it, and they each did, and that was wonderful too to see that happen and to see them grow through that as well. It, do you recall some of the types of jobs they had? Our son Will, he worked for his uncle, who was a um, was a sculptor. He had to be there at seven thirty in the morning, and he worked till five in the afternoon. He come home exhausted, but again, he got paid, and he learned the importance of doing a job correctly. And again, it was a wonderful experience because it was artistic also, because there he was in a foundry, even though he was pouring metal sometimes, you know, the result was wonderful. And of course, babysitting, you know, each, each of the kids, we encouraged them to babysit all four of them, and they did. And we made sure that they understood how we took care of them. They should take care of the kids, even if it's for just a, an afternoon or an evening. And also, one of the things that we did was we made sure that each of them worked at BAM for a while, because I wanted to make sure that they understood and, and by the way, not a fake job, a real job, so that you know they were actually doing things. And also making sure that they knew that they were going to be part of a team. They weren't, they weren't the parents' kids. They were part of a team. And that team was all the other people that worked at BAM also. So, so it was an important experience for them as kids to realize that just because your dad and mom ran the place didn't mean that you got to run the place also. No, you had to actually do the job. So you would sit them down and have that talk before day one on the job? Absolutely. We would sit down and have the talk with them. And also I made sure that I had that talk before the very first kid uh, worked at BAM with my staff to let them know, you know, when, when Lainey, you know, who was the first one, comes and works here, she is going to be working here. She is not, you know, the daughter of the king. She works here and she has to achieve and you can help her. And that's wonderful, just like you help anybody at BAM. When did Darcy first start to show an interest in acting? Well, Darcy started to show an interest in acting um, when she was a a little kid. We took her to see the uh, Fantasy Forum at the Lesher Center in, in Walnut Creek and she was looking on that stage and just mesmerized and just letting it sink in. And initially she thought, and she's talked about this, you know, subsequently that those people were the real people. That was, you know, the, the, uh, but then she realized oh. after a few times that no, cause we would, we would, after the show was over, we would ha- introduce her, you know, once she was old enough, three or four years old, to the actors. So she realized, oh, these are actors. This is what they do. And um, that got her thinking about it. 
Now, the interesting thing, and I want to say this right off the, the, the bat of this, is being on stage is a really interesting experience. And one of the things that I wanted to do, because, you know, I, I saw uh, from working in, because in, we worked, you know, we had an office in Los Angeles and one in Northern California for BAM. And in LA, I would see some of those kids who were, who were little, you know, young kids working on TV shows or movies and how rough it was for them to grow. It was really, really rough. Some of them just had horrible experiences. Even though they were on a hit TV show, they, it took them decades, if forever, to, to get back out of it. But, but the thing that I found interesting was what happens to people who are young but on stage? And what I did was I went to a CEO group. There was about 200 CEOs. And I asked them, how many of you are here because in high school you did speech and debate? And of the 200 CEOs, about 15 of them raised their hand. And I said, okay, of all of you here, how many of you became CEOs because in high school you were on a sports team? And maybe 15 or 20 of them raised their hand. And then I said, how many of you are here because in your high school years you performed on stage? And about 70% of them raised their hands. It was amazing. And that's the thing that I realized, because I had a feeling about that, because I had done it too. I mean, when I was a kid, I was on stage also. And I realized that it's an important experience for a CEO to talk to an audience, because that's what they do for a living. So when Darcy was starting to, you know, want to act, I was saying, oh, goody, you know, she's going to become a CEO. Little did I know (laughs) that that's not what was important to her. She really wanted to act. Oh, that's a great story. That's so interesting, too, about the CEOs. Wow. It is. It's fascinating. Really speaks to the the value of that experience, regardless of whether or not you want to pursue it as a career. Right. So you saw that as, as potentially not the beginning of an acting career, but potentially as a, leading to a, a career in the corporate world. Right. Is this something that you encouraged because of that? And, and, and how did that progress? Well, the interesting thing was, I did encourage Darcy, and so whenever she got into a you know a, a, a group, whether it was a high school group or whatever, she would end up becoming the leader of the group. Meaning they would vote for her to be you know, the captain of the team. I was thinking, oh goody, you know she's learning that she can, you know she will be a CEO one of these days. But the fact of the matter was, she was just taking all these experiences and internalizing them and understanding them and living them. But what she really always wanted to do was get on stage and act. And after a while, I realized, okay, that's what she wants to do. Then, you know, it's tough. But And and by the way, I made sure that she didn't do anything professional in acting while she was a kid. Because as I told you, I saw so many of those kids get destroyed, and I didn't want that to happen. So I made sure that she was, you know, in her uh, very early very early 20s when she was actually, you know, doing acting where she got paid for it. And is that something that she wanted to do when you were kind of tugging the reins on it? Or were you just shielding her from those types of opportunities? Well, I was definitely shielding her from those types of opportunities because, you know, I I had because of what I did for a living, I had friends who would say, oh, you know, I I saw your daughter and, uh, uh, you know, at at the show, meaning, you know, backstage because uh, my kids and I would be backstage, you know, with some huge 
music event and um, and I could see how she was interacting with with some of the stars and how good she was and I just think you know I'd love to give her an opportunity to to get over to Universal Studios and and uh, I, I've got a you know TV show in mind that she'd be great in and I'd say no thank you not now so when was it that you started to notice that she was really looking to do this as a career? Well, in her in her teenage years, she she started talking about it, and and you know I was trying to be the good dad and tell her, well, you know, you're going to be a great CEO one of these days. Look at you know you're running the you're running this and you're running that. So we both agreed that she wasn't going to do it until she graduated from high school, at least if not in college. And the wonderful thing is, you know, her her professors or teachers or whatever thought the world of her and uh, you know kept track of her over the decades so th- that was wonderful you, you mentioned earlier how she was elected uh, to leadership positions in all of these you know wide variety of different groups do you believe that her stage experience led to that were there other characteristics that darcy had yes yes i i i believe because leaders need to be really good communicators and they're not the kind of communicators that talk to one person they're the kind of communicators that talk to lots of people at the same time. And Darcy was learning how to do that by being an actor, by learning on stage in high school and in college, etc. Over and over again, whatever group she was in would take her to the top of the group and she'd be the one leading the group. And it was very comfortable for her and it was very comfortable for the people that were part of it, the kids or whatever who were part of it, because they trusted her and they felt comfortable with her. And that is part of what an actor learns by being on stage and how to communicate in a way where the people in the audience sit back and relax and enjoy themselves. Hmm. And did you have to flex your approach as a father to, to parenting your different kids? And I, my understanding is there's a, a decent age range between all of them. I would imagine uh, with four kids, you probably had some personality differences and, and career aspiration differences as well. Uh, did you have a similar approach to parenting all of them? Yes, all four of them. And and um, the idea was was to be there for them and to make sure that they knew that I was there for them and and uh, uh, that my wife and I were there for them. But but at the same time, encouraging them to grow in the direction they wanted to grow. You know, our our eldest daughter uh, is a uh, communications executive and has been for years and and uh, she knows how to do that she learned how to do that at bam originally and has taken that ever since darcy you know about our son will is a uh, animation editor and has worked on some of the top movies you know top animated films because he's very comfortable working uh, on uh, with a computer <laughs> and our youngest daughter uh works with kids and just uh you know has a has a very great personality that people like to to be uh, be with and so each of them got to grow in their own direction and we didn't force anything on any of them how about perseverance uh, it that strikes me as another characteristic uh been one of the many things that has led to darcy's success uh, i think a lot of people may not have gone the distance that she did in pursuing a career in acting uh it was from what I understand, a, a long road with Upright Citizens Brigade, and, and she was certainly a working actress, but uh, stuck with quite a while before she got this big break on The Good Place and Barry and now upcoming uh, League of Their Own. Is that a character trait that you tried to instill or cultivate in your kids? You know what? I'd love to take credit for that, but I can't. You know, I, I'm the person who goes after the 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 
what's obvious, you know, what's there. And uh, Darcy was willing to just continue doing auditions and trying time after time and, uh, you know, having a little success and then not much and taking lots of classes, lots of classes at Upright Citizens Brigade, et cetera. But she was willing to, to wait. And, you know, one of the most amazing things was that um, she told me, uh, you know, Dad, I'm, I'm, I've been trying so long to to succeed at an audition and i you know and by the way this is this is what everybody who's an actor lives through but this is how she described it she said i i've been trying to you know do audition after audition and i realized that it's just not happening but that doesn't mean that i'm not gonna that doesn't mean i'm gonna stop doing auditions i'm just thinking now that's what i do is auditions within a week after she told me that she got two yeses within a few days of each other. Wow. Good Place and then Barry were within a few days of each other. Isn't that something? Wow. It was incredible. What do you think about that mindset shift may have led to that result? That she was relaxed. Uh. That she didn't go to an audition scared and obviously nervous. That she would just go and audition and then know that, you know, she was going home afterwards. Yeah, yeah. How has your approach to parenting changed now that your kids are adults, as, as they moved out of the house into college and then beyond that, how do you parent differently? Well, when, you, when your kids are adults, you parent a lot less. And that's wonderful. So now I'm their friend. I you know, want to hear about them. If there's anything I can do to help, I will. But, but the fact of the matter is they're grownups. They're making it happen. So <laughs> I get to, to help the grandkids, which is really kind of fun. I was doing that today. And uh, with two of our grandkids who live in uh, who live nearby us, and um, it's just a delight. And at the same time, though, still there for our kids when they need a little bit of advice or they need they need to talk through something. I don't have to be the one that gives the answer. I can just be the one that listens. And sometimes listening is one of the most important things you can do. Yeah, that's great advice. So I have just a few closing questions. What are three words that you think your kids or your wife might use to describe your parenting style? Three words that describe my parenting style are helpful, positive, and lead by example, which isn't a word, but it's, you know, it's a phrase. Yeah, yeah. And you'd mentioned that before, and it, it certainly seems consistent with how you've described you know, your life and your parenting style. Is there anything in particular about leading by example? that stands out? There's, there's nothing that stands out. It's just that, that what you're doing is you're showing them what's possible and you're not telling them what's possible. You're showing them what's possible. And that is such a wonderful way to learn. I let them know that I'm the dad. I'm not their friend. I'm there to, to help them, but I'm the dad. But, but to show by example, this is what I did or this is what I'm doing now and you can do something like this yourself. And it's, and it's not, and by that, I don't mean, you know, starting a magazine. I just mean feeling comfortable about doing something that feels comfortable to you and that challenges you and helps you grow. Yeah, that's nice. With the benefit of hindsight, what might have you had done differently as a father? You're not going to believe this. I wouldn't have done anything differently as a father. I love my kids and I love the life we had and I loved every moment of being with them and introducing them to Huey Lewis in the news. So you know, <laughs> whatever it was, that's great. It was just a delight. Oh, it sounds it. 
Is there anything that you found helpful, books, resources, habits that helped you to be a better person and then through that helped you to be a better father? This is the one that was most important to me. You Just Don't Understand by Deborah Tannen. It gave me so many good just ideas. And of course, the other one that, that was important to me was a book called Generations, which just talks about the various generations and how they, over the centuries, or over the two centuries in the United States, how they were and how they repeat. And that, again, gave me some good ideas. Mm, I like that. That's great. I'll definitely have to check those out. Anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to add, Dennis? You know, this has been great. And no, I can't think of anything else. Lori, is there anything else I should add? No. <laughs> and okay, and by the way, I couldn't have done it without Lori. <laughs> so that that's what I want to add. Being a dad is wonderful, but having a wonderful wife who is their mother is also so wonderful. And I know everybody can't have that, but I lucked out and I did. And I yeah. do. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I fully agree. I, I definitely couldn't have done it without my wife either. There you go. Dennis, thank you so much for your time. This has really been a pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Great. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Dennis Erickson, a great guy and an excellent father. As mentioned in the introduction, we would greatly appreciate it if you could help sustain the podcast by leaving a rating and even a brief review. It's particularly helpful if you can do this on the Apple Podcast app. You can also help sustain the podcast by telling a friend about it, subscribing, and following us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And feel free to reach out to us directly at info, I-N-F-O, at fatheringexcellence.com, or use the contact form on our website. Most importantly, remember to spend some time today with your child. It goes by in the blink of an eye. Thank you.